ladies and gentlemen, this is Book Music. Hello, this is Tosh. And I'm Kim Lee. And today we're going to discuss something that's very dear to our hearts. Well, the subject matter is dear to our hearts. It's Scott Walker. And today we're going to discuss a book called Scott Walker and the Song of the One All Alone. Could you remember that title if you just had to remember it? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> one more time. Scott Walker and the Song of the One All Alone by Scott Wilson, published by Bloomsbury Press. Yes, part of their Eccentrics series, which is a pretty interesting series. And they also do the 33 and the 3rd now series as well. Yeah, they have a lot of great music books. They do. It's We're big fans. We're big fans because they're smart books. <laughs> yes. And last week, or we did like a dumb book, but we're not going to mention names. <laughs> the, the listener would have to find out what that dumb book was. But um, today we're going to discuss Scott Walker by Scott Wilson. And I have been a Scott Walker fan for a long time. Did you listen to him as a teenager? Were you a Walker's Brother fan in no, the 60s? not at all. Mm. I thought they were a little too weird for my taste. They're a little too middle of the road. <laughs> That's funny. And this is the thing about, we were discussing this earlier, yeah. just like five minutes ago. That the, What's interesting about Walker Brothers or Scott Walker is the Walker Brothers had huge hits in, in Europe, and they had oh. a huge hit in America, you know, Sun... Yeah. Um, what's it called? Sunshine. Uh, sun, sun won't shine there anymore. Something like oh, that. Oh, Susanna. No, that's another song. Yeah. <laughs> We're big fans. <laughs> the sun, the sun's not going to shine no more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and that was like a hit in America. I remember that. Mm-hmm. So I was familiar with that record. But yeah. the other uh, uh, Walker Brothers songs were too baroque, too orchestrated for my taste as a teenager. Ah. And. Uh, as a teenager, I couldn't react. I couldn't react to it. So you also did. You didn't like those first four solo Scott records. No, either? Too, it was too grown up 60s. for me. It was too. Um, yeah. I had to. Be, I had to be. I had to be in my twenties to appreciate those yeah, records. Yeah, that makes sense. It's I, pretty grown up music. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with Walker Brothers, the teenager, nor the Scott yeah. Walker solo albums. Yeah. And um, you had to have lived a little bit of life before you could listen to Scott. Well, it's kind of interesting because <laughs> the Walker Brothers toured with Jimi Hendrix Experience. Really? I love Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. It was a tour. It was like Tom Jones. No, Humperdinck. Engelbert Humperdinck. Humperdinck Scott. Oh Walker Brothers. Jimi <laughs> Hendrix Experience. Okay, I'm going to have to Google that because that doesn't even sound and like Kat, it could be a real Kat thing. Stevens. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's like a 60s British tour, like a package tour. Oh, God. You know? So I was a huge Jimi Hendrix fan from right. from day one. Uh-huh. So Jimi Hendrix and the Walker, I mean, as a teenager, you know, the guitar, the look of uh-huh. Jimi Hendrix. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, the Walker did not exist in my yeah. world. But um, over, ever since in my mid-20s or late 20s, I started listening to Scott Walker records. Uh-huh. And it had a really huge, profound effect on me. And yeah. um, I think because... The whole nature of Scott Walker, when he was making records after the, the Walker Brothers, uh-huh. it seemed to be so anti whatever was happening in music at the time. You know, like say Jimi Hendrix was, you know, happening, or Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, or yeah. you know, or Neil Young, yeah. and Scott Walker was making these heavily orchestrated recordings that are not anything like like pop music yeah. was at the time. He's always going against the grain, for sure. Going against the grain. Not, not, not even like in the future of the past, but like totally 
left center corner yeah. somewhere else, you know. Yeah. And, you know, of course, he had that the beautiful look of Scott Walker because he's a beautiful looking man. Yeah. And um, and so, uh, so the uh, you know, these records are so kind of so obtuse and so strange to me. And they're still kind of strange when I listen to them, you know, and it's... Um, they're really unique records, and he's a really a unique artist. Yeah. Saying that, I think now, after I've read Scott Wilson's book, especially after I read his book, mm-hmm. I think Scott Walker is probably the most unique, most important song, singer, songwriter, musician of the 20th and the 21st century. Wow. Well, that's saying something. I think there are other great artists. Yeah. Dick Bowie, of course, is my favorite. You can say Eno, you can say Chuck Berry, you can say James yeah. Brown. But I think Scott Walker is such a unique presence that one could never, ever imitate him. Yeah. I mean, you can imitate the croon, you can do the voice, you can do the Jacques Brel, do the right. French thing, you know, right. the singer thing, which Scott Walker is really into Jacques Brel. Yeah. But his uniqueness and his strangeness and the way he approaches his work... Nobody else that does it. Nobody does that. What, what he does, no, yeah. you know, put his time and thought yeah. into his records. Yeah. I mean, he did this Walker Brothers really quick because that was a '60s thing. You yeah, know? and he was young and not as in control. Yeah, but he still had. He did have control. I mean, he he was Scott Walker and the Walker Brothers. But he, but you know, when he emerges from the Walker Brothers to the solo work, which is sort of like more adult theme songs yeah. you know, about sexuality and and. Uh, and and the and the stories are more adult like and it, like he wrote half the songs and then the other were like songs by Jacques Brel being the most prominent mm-hmm. and um, so you know and when you cover other people's songs but it's like his he's definitely from a very mature for a young guy who's definitely into maturity yeah stuff no, yeah. he's not teenage yeah in fact I don't think he was ever teenage <laughs> no it's true no he was a teen idol. Yeah, he was a real teen idol, like girls like this. Much terrible. to his chagrin, yeah, yeah he did he, not like that. But he he was a teen. I mean, he was a real teen idol, a real yeah. pinup teen idol. Yet, his approach to his work is so non teen idol like. You know, yeah. Of course, later it's impossible to think of him being in a band like the Walker Brothers. I know it's crazy. But um, but he made this huge impression. I mean, this being so um. And after, especially reading uh, Scott Wilson's book, who's an academic writer, he's from a university, mm-hmm. and it's interesting his approach because he does take a very like sort of lit crit psychology lit or yeah uh, take on Scott Walker. Yeah, and usually you know say like, oh God, this guy's just a pop singer. Why, you know, it's usually when you read academics reading commenting on pop stars or mm-hmm. pop music or pop mm-hmm. culture, it always seems kind of pretentious or you know just. A little bit too much, for no right, reason. Right. But sincerely, Scott Walker does deserve academic classes on his work. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, obviously, um, Walker is familiar with all of the, you know, in the book, he references a lot of philosophers, Heidegger, Sartre, Camus. Mm-hmm. And I mean, these are all people that Walker has, has already stated in interviews and stuff, that these are all influential what is people. Because this is the beauty of Scott Walker. This is what really knocks me out about him. Uh-huh. He's he started as a teenager as a singer, yeah, like a teen idol singer that didn't that didn't become famous for some mm-hmm. reason. He's from Ohio, mm-hmm. ends up in Los Angeles, becomes a studio musician, of course forms and meets the Walker Brothers. Mm-hmm. None of them are brothers. None of them are named right. Walker. <laughs> and um, and um, 
and basically they were sort of like a knockoff the righteous brothers to me like a phil specter yeah of some of those early songs really do sound like that. though yeah. they did work with those musicians and yeah. they more importantly they worked with jack nietzsche yeah who is the key Phil Spector guy. Yes. He, Jack Nietzsche is sort of the key guy in, the, in that whole yeah. era of making music in the studio. But also, Scott Walker was in surf bands. Yeah, yeah. He, I, was, like, I was just listening to an interview that he did with Jarvis Cocker where he yeah, was talking I, I, about that. See, I thought he was on the record. He's not on the record, according to Scott in the interview ah, with Jarvis Cocker. But ah. he was like with the group like the Challengers or, or, the, or, or the Rooters. I have a Rooters record. Let's Do you? Go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. And for, for years, I thought that's not what Scott Walker. Oh, that's funny. But he, you know, he played it live. So yeah. he, was a, he toured with these surf bands. Yeah, I know. It's hysterical. So from surf bands to the Walker Brothers to the like this heavy European um, British stance he took. Yeah. He, he, it, it's such a wild, I mean, the, 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 the road travel is so great to me. Yeah. Well, that's obviously what makes him so interesting. I mean, he's just, he's clearly hyper intellectual, you know. I mean, he was drawn to Europe because he loved watching European films, he loved European literature, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, so yeah, I think it's uh, when you when you're reading this book, you know he he references a lot of interviews with Scott Walker, and it's funny because I didn't even realize there were so many interviews with Walker because I always sort of thought of him as being a bit of a recluse and not doing a lot of promotion for his records when they came out. But um, apparently there are some pretty in-depth interviews with him, and so he references those. That's so, sort of his starting point mm-hmm. in the book. So the book is kind of like he. Uh, the chapters that you know it's a whole chapter on one song where he's analyzing one song and then he'll kind of go into chapters that are just sort of thematic Mm -hmm. and um, but he starts all of them he doesn't sort of make up things he actually starts with things that Walker said were what the songs were about to a certain degree I mean Walker never says straightforward this is what it's about but he'll say this was my starting point you know for example the Mussolini song or the Pasolini song as we know there's the early Scott and later Scott. Mm-hmm. The early Scott's are Walker Brothers and the Scott one, two, three, and four right. solo albums. And the, and the and the and way people look at his work, a lot of people look at them separately from Scott then and Scott now, or yeah. you know, he's passed away. But Scott's last four or five albums, yeah, which were totally like art music. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. like commercial music at all. No. They're totally like art chamber Right. Music. I mean, some people compare them to musique concrète. I think yeah. that's what I would. And I would assume you think, yeah, because yes. I know you love it, it, that. It's musique concrète yeah. in the most literal sense with vocals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then people have separated like, well, gee, he was like this pop singer, you know, this smooth, middle of the road sort of pop singer. Mm-hmm. And then he went into this, got crazy all of a sudden, right. and, you know. And my argument or my way I look at his stuff, it, it's not true at all. From the very early Walker Brothers to his very last album he did with Sun, yeah. the drone band, it's consistent work. It's one work. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's very, pro- it progresses pretty clearly. I mean, you know, in the book he talks about um, the last Walker Brothers album because they regrouped <laughs> mm-hmm. in the 70s and then they had a, they were with a record label that was about to go out of business yeah. and they could do whatever the hell they wanted to do in the recording studio. And so that was when Scott sort of started getting very experimental needed that song the electrician yeah. which is really you can see that that's really where he's starting to get into all the weird sounds that he's all the experimental stuff and, and, and lyrically 
he changed. Yes, yes. Lyrically, it became much less, you know. The early Scott, like, you know, the, the solo Scott, early solo Scott careers, those songs were basically narratives and stories. Mm-hmm. I think basically, I think his albums were, have, one of his albums, maybe it's either three or four, was sort of a concept record, mm-hmm. where it's a story about people living in a, in a, in a building, like an apartment building or a hotel mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. It's like people's lives, and it's sort of like story mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and... By by the time of the Walker Brothers' um, Night Flights album, mm-hmm. uh, Scott Walker's song becoming totally like more abstract, yeah, and the the language becomes more um, complex mm-hmm. and not narrative driven at all, yeah, but very violent, yeah. Electrician is basically about a torture session. Yeah, I know it's it's pretty tense. You know, like a political, like a, like a somewhere in the probably South America, somebody's yeah. being tortured. You don't know yeah. what the details are. There's right. clues and yeah, but. In my mind, um, and 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 onward from that, he he, you know, after many years, and he started making records every ten or twelve years right. after that. Right. Um, the songs are not abstract to him. I mean, they're not they're not abstract works. Right. I think if you study the lyrics and you study the references, like the footnotes, mm-hmm. you get a story of what what's happening and and and, and where it's taking place and stuff like yeah. that. So all of a sudden, he's become totally obsessed. Um, with, I think, like political political European history, mm-hmm. maybe like Central and South America too. Yeah, but definitely like dictators. Yeah, he has a thing about dictators. Yeah, he's got two songs about slain dictators. Loves dictators. <laughs> <laughs> well, the interesting thing about those songs is, you know, he's got the one about uh, Mussolini and his lover, the song Clara, mm-hmm. and then he's got the one about the Ceausescus, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously these people are monsters, and I'm sure. Scott thought they were monsters as well, but there's also kind of this element of sympathy because they were both murdered in such horrible ways. Yeah, you know, I mean, he talks about in uh, in an interview in that documentary, Thirtieth Century Man. He talks about seeing that picture of Mussolini hanging as a child in one of the newsreels when he went mm-hmm. to the movie theater, and he said nobody would explain it to him because he was a little kid. I right. guess he must have been four or five or something Mm -hmm. you know but it's like what a horrifying image you know and it's kind of one of those things where the abused become the abusers you know and so it's almost like his perspective is almost sympathetic you know it's what's yeah the horror upon the horror you know (laughs) there's also sort of a a, a s&m quality too yeah in the work as well and it's not i'm not saying that he's into s&m sex but there is s&m Sounds, you know, like imagery, not like yeah. a, like sounds of passion, but sounds of like um, like whips or or, yeah. or one of the songs. Some guys, you know, the percussion is pounding into um, meat. Yeah, as a percussion sound. Yeah, yeah. Or one, uh, there's one on on. Um, it's either the drift or by um, maybe it was the drift. I think where they um, they built a box, a wooden box. Yeah, it was the drift. Yeah, the drift. So it's yeah. like a, it's an empty wooden box, yeah. so I can make percussion sounds on yeah. it. And usually, like really, and he did all his sort of violent. Yeah, yeah. Thrashing yeah, on that amazing. in that box. Yeah. And then the and then the raw meat that was yeah. um, punch, which is supposed to sound like you or someone punching or, or stabbing or uh, hitting with a stick like maybe Mussolini's body as it hangs. Yeah. Upside down. So he's doing these these visual sounds are quite horrifying. Yeah. They're not pretty at all. No, definitely not. And so I think that kind of brings up the issue, you know, I think a lot of people do have a lot of a trouble listening to those last, you know, I don't know, four or five, you know, I guess starting from like Climate of the Hunter when he was really starting to get pretty experimental, but, people have a hard time listening to but that the, Okay, this, this is the genius part about him. 
I mean, the way we're describing it, it sounds like totally like a serious, like almost like a Woody Allen skit talking about right, right. <laughs> feeling the horrors of the world yeah, and, yeah. and like it's what you have to show. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is he'll do like funny sound effects. Mm-hmm. Like I remember one part of line, well, I can't remember what song it was, but in the most horrifying, violent, intense thing, like yeah. you know, string or yeah. and then and then out of nowhere uh-huh. you hear a a Donald Duck voice, a right, Donald Duck right. voice, like, like a penny whistle or something. Yeah. <laughs> saying, saying, "What's up, Doc?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like it's funny, but it's like it's like it's like scary. Funny. Yeah, so it's almost like um, like What's Jack that tension. Yes, it's like Jack Nicholson yeah, saying, yeah, "Here's yeah. you know, yeah, here's yeah, Jack, yeah, you know. yeah." And yeah. I was trying to imagine. I was like, I wonder what kind of sense of humor he had because he, you know, the few times you see him being interviewed, he's very serious, and mm-hmm. his music seems very serious, and I was like, I'll bet he was a huge Jacques Tati fan, you know? I mean, I, I bet if you got to know him, there was probably a side of him. That, I'm sure there is. You know, I'm sure a, there is. had a very good sense of so, humor. So there's, so the great tension, and it was great violence, there's this weird, absurd humor that he has, yeah. that he throws in it. It doesn't make it light. Yeah. It's kind of shocking, the humor. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not like you're laughing. It's like, oh, my God, how could he laugh at that? Or how can he make fun of something at this moment? Yeah. And, you know, and it, and it's it's not even songs. You know, I mean, I I would say this, the record he did with Sun, the last album, uh-huh. there are sort of choruses and, you know, riffs. Yeah. But but a lot of like Bish Bosh and The Drift, they're not songs. They're like actually, they are like music concrete. Yeah pieces that last for you know five to ten minutes in some pieces yeah, yeah. and it's just like his vocals which is sort of operatic at times mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. um uh or baritone but he has you know it, as he got older his voice got more powerful to me in a way yeah you know he didn't lose it he, he just got more operatic you know yeah i and, pulled an interesting quote about uh this where uh wilson says he was talking about corps de blah from bish bosh mm-hmm. And he says, verbal sensation is delivered here, directly generated and signifying excess, but that does not necessarily mean pleasure. This is usually Walker's point. To deal with unpleasant subject matter authentically is necessarily to broach the limit of aesthetic unpleasure. So there's always that tension in his work, you know, and and I think he purposely is trying to push people to... You know, it's interesting because I think, you know, he never wants to explain what his songs are about specifically. And, you know, I always feel like he doesn't want to tell you what to think, but he wants you to think. You know, it's that's sort of what a great artist does. They don't ever want to be so straightforward. No, but that's that's another element of his uniqueness to me is that his songs are to me very... Not straightforward, but his thoughts behind the work is very straightforward. Hmm. Except I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't think a lot of listeners know what it is. No. Well, that there's another. I love that quote from David Bowie mm. when he's talking about because yeah. David Bowie is a huge Scott yes. Walker fan, and uh, it's funny because in the twenty in the thirtieth mm. century man documentary, you know, mm. and Bowie are both like gushing uh-huh. about uh, the electrician. Like yeah. they just thought that was breaking all kinds of boundaries, but. Um, uh, there was that quote that Bowie, um, oh, here it is. He says, I have no idea what he's singing about. No idea. And I never bothered to find out. And I'm not really interested. I'm quite happy to take the songs that he sings and make something of them myself and read my own reasoning into the images. Which is, I think, what every artist really wants. Any, I think any true artist wants everybody to bring their own experiences to the art and get what they get from it on their own. Yes, but on the other hand, um, was you know the Scott Wilson book, he actually goes into detail of sort of interpreting 
Right, but it's his own interpretation, and he makes that very clear in the introduction. He, he, you know, he says that you know this is just his take on things. So, but I think I personally think that Scott Walker doesn't leave anything abstract. I don't think it's abstract work. I think it's it's actually about a real people in history. Yes. In specific times. What he's great at is poetically, you know, he is like a great poet too, I mm-hmm. think. More than even a lyricist, I think he's a great poet. Mm-hmm. That he can he can juxtapose images, you know, on onto other images. Mm-hmm. Um, like the song about you know, where he talks about the twin towers, you know, yeah, yeah, Jesse. Yeah. And Jesse. Now that what's okay, the, the again the genius part is like yeah. so you see this thing about twin towers, you know, twin towers, you know, that's one thing. But the fact that he puts the juxtaposition of images of Elvis Presley yeah. and a dead twin brother, yeah. identical twin dead brother, yeah. as a loss, and the Twin Towers a loss. Yeah, I know. So, he all sudden, so all of a sudden he has the tragedy of 9-11 Twin Towers, mm-hmm. and then the, the sad story of Elvis and his yeah. twin. Yeah. And that's such an incredible juxtaposition right. to, to, to make. And it so humanizes it, you know. It, it does. But just... it's like a genius look, Twin Towers. I know. How do you jump from Twin Towers to yeah. Elvis and I know. his twin? I know. I know. So, and I think he, had a, he has like a brilliant way of, um, <clears throat> or talent to, um, to, to put these two things together like a collage, you know, yeah. and it makes and it makes perfect sense. You know, yeah, the Elvis twin story. Yeah, makes perfect sense in the conjunction or juxtaposition. Yeah, with the twin towers going down. Yeah, definitely. You yeah. know, and it's a, and how you put Elvis and nine eleven together. <laughs> God, is you know, is tickle- <laughs> it's his genius. Yeah, it is his genius. genius. And that yeah. and that I can't I can't think of anybody in music. And definitely in pop music, uh-huh. who could do stuff like that? Yeah, you know, nobody can. Nobody, I mean, there's something very. Um, um, I think he's very, not narrative driven, but he's very. He, he takes. Him, I know it takes a lot, him. It's not the music that takes a long time for him. It's writing the lyrics that took him a long time. Oh, you think? I know. That's what I read. Like, oh, it's okay. not like writer's block. It's more right. about getting the right words in the right moment yeah. in the right way. Huh, he spent a lot of time putting the words together. Uh-huh. So I think he really thinks a lot about the subject matter. Yeah. You know, for instance, like Elvis in the Twin Towers or Mussolini yeah. hanging with yeah. his mistress yeah. and wife. Yeah. And what that means and the brutality. And, and one thing I get from his work is not really about individuals, but people or extraordinary people, either due to fate or whatever, or their or their crimes, it's a systematic thing, mm-hmm. and I think he looks at politics in a very systematic way, and I think he looks at brutality, mm-hmm. specifically brutality, not done by individuals, but done within a system, like yeah. a systematic thing. Well, it's interesting because I, I the one of the things that you know he talks a lot about you know that Scott Walker wasn't interested in the so-called protest song, mm-hmm. and uh, so Wilson says other singers might take up the burden of representing one group or another. Walker's political songs, in contrast, project the speaker deep inside a particular situation to the point where any sense of political representation collapses. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, his, he, he, almost all of his songs seem to be, at least on the later albums, political. Yes. Um, but he definitely um, isn't sort of taking this, I mean, he's taking a stance, but he's not um, being very specific in the way that you no. think of most protest songs. 
It must it's kill. more about the main idea, the main concept, of finding the humanity. And you know. I, it must kill Bob Dylan. Well, it's funny because Scott sort of mentions Bob Dylan in some interview that I was listening to, and he kind of just says, and then Bob Dylan came along. You know? right. So it's a little bit disdainful. You know, you're thinking, oh, my God, but D- Dylan's God. You know? Dylan's God, yet he wrote, you know, times are changing, yeah. and, you know, and, and, and sort of classic anti Yeah, yeah, he's the but, epitome of the protest singer. But I, I don't know Bob Dylan's tastes or stuff, but I think he would admire <laughs> Scott Walker's I'm sure dance. he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would imagine. Because uh, Scott, Scott Walker's Walker. take on politics and brutality and power mm-hmm. are much deeper than I think um, any any folk singer yeah. of their era. Yeah. Not saying they're not intelligent or bright or genius right. people, but right. but he takes that he takes that subject matter and, t- and just puts it like from you know if it was on, if it was number seven he takes it like to number 20 or something you know right. it's just the intensity and, and the intelligence of it yeah to me i feel like you know protest songs they're sort of more fine brush you know they're dealing with a very specific topic whereas he's dealing with all of humanity you know walker mm-hmm. is just really looking at what drives <clears throat> humans to do the things they do especially these really atrocious things which obviously repeat over and over throughout history and i think you know he's more a broad brush guy he's really looking at the big ideas and also he's very you know his philosophy really comes from the whole sort of beat era existentialism right yeah at heart he is a classic existentialist yeah 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 you you make choices and you have to be committed to the choice yeah and i think scott walker's career is that way you know he definitely you know he he took his time he made a choice and he kept he kept at it Mm-hmm. You know, he worked. He worked hard. I think. You know, he was quiet for many years, but during the quiet time, he was still he working, was working away, working yeah, away on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's interesting to me. Like, so I think he's a he is like a classic European, even though he's born in Ohio. I know it's high. He doesn't seem American at all, does he? <laughs> well, when you see him in interviews, he seems very Midwestern to me. Like I was watching the documentary today. Uh-huh. You know, twenty twenty uh-huh. first century man. Thirtieth century. Thirtieth yeah. century. Man, sorry. <laughs> Yeah. And um, he's very nice in the interviews. I mean, yeah. he, and even the old interviews. He's yeah, very... it's true. He has a little bit of a Midwestern drawl. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. there seems like a Midwestern. Sort of that David Lynchian, you know, yeah. he pulls you. Yeah. <laughs> Those Midwesterners, <laughs> yeah. the, the freaks that get out. <laughs> yes. So, so he, strikes me very, he strikes me as a Midwestern American yeah. who loves European pop art yeah. culture. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in, in his work, does not relate to, it's interesting, his work doesn't relate to any other singer or songwriter. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, Dylan has his Woody Guthrie right. blues roots. Everybody right. has their Chuck Berry love stones. Yeah. But Scott Walker has no... The closest you could say is Jacques Brel. <laughs> Jacques and that's really mostly just the yeah. earlier stuff. And, it, and, you know, and I know in the early interviews during the Walker, but he admired people like Jack Jones. Uh-huh. You know, mm-hmm. who's in the middle of the road, you know, crooner, singer. So uh-huh. he never admired, like, the, like, the great rock people. Or, right. It's always like it's always like Jack Jones. Uh-huh. He has a great admiration for Frank Sinatra. Yeah, yeah. But he, he definitely has an understanding of Sinatra's technical technique as a singer. Yeah, it's interesting. In the interview I just uh, listened to, I think it was the Jarvis Cocker mm-hmm. when he was talking about Sinatra and how Sinatra, he didn't actually think Sinatra was the most technically mm-hmm. proficient singer, but it was, you know, the way he phrased everything that made him so special. Well, he's like an actor telling a story. I yeah. think he, that's what, and Jacques Brel the same way. Yeah. yeah. He, he, was, he, was a, he was attracted to uh, Sinatra in certain 
aspects, but Jacques Varel he's totally attracted to because I think Varel puts his whole everything into a song. Yeah. You know, there's nothing cool about it. He's very emotionally attached to the story. Right. And again, another story songwriter. Yeah. So, so yeah, definitely Jacques Brel is like his music reference. Yeah. But and then I'm I'm presuming the rest of the people he likes are all jazz or especially classical music. Yeah, he says he's really into jazz. That he would go to jazz clubs all the time. He loves Miles Davis, things like that. And then yeah. the, even in the Walker Brothers solo album, it's got one or two. Period. He would say, "Well, can we put like Sibelius mm-hmm. arrangement or yeah, something?" Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that sort of surprised the um, you know the right. Rangers at the time that he right. had this sort of knowledge of. Right. Uh, of like 20th century classical music. Yeah, but that's a sign of a true artist, you know. He's just constantly exploring things outside of his immediate world, you know. One thing I don't think he is, I don't, like, I can't imagine, though Scott Walker's work is very political, or he deals with political power, or mm-hmm. brutality of power. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book mentions, like, M- M- Michel Foucault, who's one of the philosophers right. that's mentioned, right. as, as well as Heidegger. Yes, everybody. <laughs> Hannah Arendt, Sartre, Camus, Simone de Beauvoir. But I know Foucault. I have, of all the philosophers, I've read a little bit of Foucault. Uh-huh. And Foucault is a person who studies the history of um, institutions right. or the history of power. He's, more, he's, a, he's a really smart historian, yeah. Foucault. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's difficult because he's very dense. But his, basically, his, his work is really the history of power, history of sexuality. Yeah. And... Um, Walker strikes me, that's his interest. I don't think he's interested in, in really, like, Democratic, if you're a Democrat, Republican, Tory. Yeah, that, that no, I don't think so either. Again, I think it's back. He's he's much more interested in the, the main, the big ideas, you know. Because um, he doesn't get hung up on, yeah, he definitely doesn't get hung up on stuff like that. And I think he's, you know, he's so, uh, he repeatedly has so many songs about the violence that humans do to one another. You know, from the torturer, mm-hmm. from the single torturer to, you know, mobs. Mm-hmm. Um, as Actually, I thought it was interesting the way the book is organized. Is there's four chapters or four sections, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and basically the, the main theme, the main, the broad stroke theme of this book is this solitude and right. existential angst. And so the first section is called Zero. The second one's called One. The third is called Swarm. And the fourth is called One All Alone. Mm-hmm. And the swarm one sort of gets at what you're talking about, you know, it's just like how the masses just become one. Mm-hmm. And then that, you know, you have this solitude of just everybody's just doing the same thing and just kind of towing the line. And I think that that's very much what Walker was getting at and uh, interested in. Yeah. The book by Scott Wilson, I'm going to repeat the title, Scott Walker <laughs> and the Song of the One All Alone. Uh, I think it's a really good book on a, on, on a subject matter of Scott Walker. Yeah. I, and he's a, I think he's a good writer. He's academic. Yeah. But he's a, he is accessible re- to read. If you're into oh, Scott yeah. Walker, you, you, you'll love the book. Yeah. It's actually a super interesting book, even if you're not, because it's, you know... It deals it, with philosophy. Yeah, it deals with philosophy and, you know, pop culture and on the greater scheme of things. And, and there probably won't be another book on music that will be read that will be, be so philosophy driven yeah definitely theory, or, not. or philosophy driven or theory driven yeah yeah definitely not unless again, scott wilson writes another book <laughs> which but, hopefully he will but again it's interesting that scott walker's whole music aesthetic is not really tied to even music history it's more tied to um you know european culture history yeah philosophy existentialism 
Yeah. Those are the key things that compels him. That drive him. And, yeah. I, and, and a lot of musicians mention these things and, you know, just name yeah. drop these things, you know. But he's clearly thought about them. In fact, there was a really interesting quote that he um, said uh, about his uh, self-identity. Oh, here it is. Mm. Okay, so he says, I'm not quite sure what the self is that I'm meant to be or if there is this construction going on all the time. What is it? You know, I don't have this strong identity which I thought was really interesting that he says, I don't have a strong identity because I think of him as having a very strong identity and very strong point of view. So, you know, it's like, but he's so, he's he's definitely one of the more thoughtful pop stars, if you want to call him even a pop star. And he's not know? an eye singer. He's not a what? He's not an eye. eye. Yeah, no, he doesn't ever he say He tells eye. stories. He t- yeah. Early career from, from, from day one, even with the Walker Brothers, yeah. it's all sort of story songs. Yeah. Especially his solo stuff. Right, and they even talk about how a lot of his early stuff is like from the perspective of a woman. Yes. So yeah, it's definitely he's always looking outside himself. He's always examining everything. Yeah, he's very literary. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a very literate writer. Yeah. So this is Scott Walker and the Song of the One All Alone. I think we both recommend this book highly. Quite highly, highly. Yes, very it's a great highly. book. Yes. Uh, probably not every bookstore will carry it because it's sort of an obscure subject that Scott, but uh, you definitely can order it. It's in print. Yeah, it's easy to find online. You can online. even get it directly from the Bloomsbury, web- Bloomsbury website. People. Yeah. And what's our what's our next adventure? Our gonna next be? adventure. All right, so we're going to do another thirty-three and a third series book because we love the thirty-three we and do. a third series. Um, so this one is Wendy Carlos has switched on Bach. And I'm, I apologize. I know I'm going to mispronounce the author's name, but I'm going to take a stab. Roshanik Keshti. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. This is something I know very little about. So Wendy Carlos. Yeah. Looking forward to Clockwork Orange. Yeah. And so. then switch on Bach. So it should be good. Well, so. I, we ha- I have the album. Yeah. Oh, you do? Oh, good. Uh, okay. You can play it for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. All right. Yeah. So um, definitely join us on Facebook and Instagram. And we have playlists for everything. Our Scott Walker playlist is going to be super fab. And uh, we have those on Spotify and Apple Music. And you can find links to everything on our website, bookmusic.com, B-O-O-K-M-U-S-I-K.com. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye.